The Anarchist's Workbench by Christopher Schwarz Published by Lost Art Press This recording is by Ray Defterius and is not affiliated or endorsed by Lost Art Press in any manner. Any errors or omissions are purely the fault of the narrator, as is any general bungling of pronunciation of names. Appendix A. Constantly Asked Questions During the last 20 years, I've been asked a lot of questions about workbenches. Most of these questions I've answered a hundred times already. That's okay. When people first get focused on building a workbench, they usually haven't read years of blog entries, or the five or six books that are available on the topic. And so they send an email asking what's the best wood to use. Oh, and could I also compare and contrast all the different forms of benches, you know, like, just real quick? We get these questions almost every week. Below is a list of the questions I'm asked constantly, plus my answers. A lot of this information is covered elsewhere in this book. But this format, question and answer, seems to help some people work through their own doubts. This chapter also gives me something to cut and paste when replying to emails and letters. Here we go. Questions about workbench materials. 1. What wood should I use? There are only a few woods I wouldn't use for a workbench. White pine, too lightweight. Expensive exotics, too expensive. Rotted wood, too rotted. I recommend you use the heaviest, cheapest, and most readily available species in your area. In the south and midwest, that's yellow pine, the cheapest, followed by poplar and soft maple. Don't worry about the stiffness and other engineering factors. If you overbuild your workbench, it'll be plenty stiff and strong. 2. Should the benchtop be a slab, a lamination, plywood, LVL, which material works best and survives the long term? All of these have trade-offs, and all of them work well, both in the short and the long term. The choice is less about engineering, all are heavy and stiff enough, and more about aesthetics, economics, and the tools you have available. You can make a plywood bench using a table saw and screw gun. A slab bench requires far more, including a forklift. But which looks better? That's your call. 3. What's the best glue for building a workbench? All the common glues are strong enough. Hot hard, liquid hard, PVA, epoxy. Choose one that suits your wallet and the way you work. PVA is cheap and easy to get, and it sets up fast. This can be good or bad. Hot hard glue sets up very fast. Again, good or bad. Liquid hard glue might be difficult to purchase in your area and sets up slowly. Epoxy is very expensive, but it fills gaps and can have a slow or fast curing time depending on its formulation. For most woodworkers, PVA, plain old yellow glue, is an excellent choice. 4. Can I use green wood? How green? Yes, but it's risky. Drier is better. You have no idea how much the components will move as they dry. Bench tops, even thick ones, can twist more than one inch at the corners. If you do receive a fresh slab and need a bench today, build the bench quickly and use stretches between the legs. 
the undercarriage and the joinery can help hold the top in place as it dries, reducing its tendency to warp. Also, it's a good idea to orientate the top so the hard side of the board faces up. 5. Is it okay to include the pith in my bench components? I don't recommend it. No matter what your local sawyer might say, a board with pith included, sometimes called a box tart, will split. The split might be minor or catastrophic. It depends on the tree. Why risk it? 6. Is air dried wood better for a bench or is kiln dried okay? Either is fine, and I can't say that either is better for a bench. Just use the heaviest, cheapest wood that is readily available. For me, the more important question is if the wood is at equilibrium with its environment. If not, let it sit a while, then build a bench. 7. If I can't find southern yellow pine in my area, can I use dot dot dot? Yes. 8. What's the best finish for a bench top? Probably no finish is the best. You don't want your bench top to be slick. You want the work to be easily restrained. If you want to make it look nice, some boiled linseed oil will do that and gives you protection from water spills. Or an oil varnish blend. That will give you even more protection, but it might slicken up the bench top a bit. Avoid waxes and thick film finishes unless your workbench is a fashion accessory. Questions about the form or structure of a workbench. 9. What style of bench should I build if I use only hand tools? I think the easiest bench to build with hand tools is an English joiner's bench, sometimes called a Nicholson. If you buy dimensional lumber, there is almost no wood to plane to thickness. It's just cutting boards to length and fastening them together with simple joints, screws or nails. Mike Simpson's video, The Naked Woodworker, is a good place to explore this. 10. Won't wood movement in the benchtop wreck a Rubol Nicholson workbench? I have never seen it happen. The top shrinks and expands and the base contorts a little. It doesn't affect the working qualities of the bench and the benches don't pull themselves to pieces. 11. Is it okay to use mixed species of wood when building a workbench? Sure. There is no issue with strength, longevity, or realistically differential wood movement. A hardwood top and white pine base might be an economical way to build a bench. The only real concern is aesthetics. Sometimes a bench top with strips of walnut and purple heart through the middle make me throw up in my mouth. 12. What's the best workbench for a beginner? Probably an English joiner's bench, aka a panelled bench. It has the fewest joints and is the fastest form to build in my experience. However, any beginner can build a French bench or a fancy German bench. It just takes a little more time. Don't let your lack of skills snuff out your dreams. 13. An apartment dweller. I would build a small yellow pine bench like the one in this book with nice vices. It would have mass because of the pine and all the features of a full-size bench. Then, when you get a bigger place, you can build a bigger bench and use the same nice hardware. The small bench could go to a friend or become a kitchen island in a Manhattan loft. 14. 
a garage or barn without HVAC. I would use softwoods such as yellow pine, fir or hemlock. These woods move less in service than hardwoods. So if there are wild swings in humidity, you see less wood movement. 15. A person with very little money. A bench made with yellow pine or any heavy construction timber. Pound for pound, construction woods are the cheapest and easiest to get. 16. What do you think of a torsion box bench top? Or the newfangled workbench? Shaker workbench? How about this other workbench that you've never seen or heard of? At times, I feel like I'm being baited with this kind of question. You can answer the question for yourself if you think about it for a minute. Your bench needs mass. How easy is it to work on the faces, edges and ends of boards with the bench? Can you modify the bench as your woodworking changes by adding different vices or holdfasts? Does the joinery seem impossibly robust or one step above a slumlord's birdhouse? 17. Should the bench top be assembled with loose tenons? This is an ancient way to assemble slabs made popular by Greek and Roman boat builders. It certainly adds long-term strength. Drawboring these loose tenons can help pull boards together without clamps. If you lack clamps or faith in your glue or edge jointing skills, this is a good technique to fix those shortcomings. 18. Can I glue 8x4 material face-to-face -to, -face to make a thick bench top? Yes, you can also laminate a large quantity of toothpicks to make a bench top. The trade-off is you need the equipment to do a seamless job, or you need to be okay with a few gaps. There is a lot of surface area that needs to be glued when you laminate boards face to face. 19. Why shouldn't I buy a Lee Nielsen, Plate 11, or Benchcrafted Workbench, or a high-end Schoberg's or Omnia? I like building my own workbenches in the same way I like building all the furniture in my house and making pizza from scratch. That doesn't make my furniture or pizza better than store-bought. It's just what I like to do. In fact, I cannot do things any other way because my head is that stupid. If you would rather buy a workbench and spend more time building jungle gyms for owls, do it. As always, caveat emptor with tools and woodworking equipment. I've used Benchcrafted, Plate 11 and Lee Nielsen benches and find them to be great. Schoberg's are not my favourite and I haven't tried a recent vintage Ulmia. 20. Could you evaluate all the workbenches you've encountered in your career and explain to me the best one for my work? Sure thing. Wait right here. 21. What's your favourite workbench ever? Probably the one in this book. 22. Which workbenches do you regret building? None really. Even the ones that were less successful taught me important lessons. The bench I miss the least is the door and saw horses. 23. Should I tooth my bench top like veneer? Sure, I've tried it. The rough resulting surface seems to help keep your work in place, but that might only be my perception and not an engineering truth. The best reason to do it is that every time someone tooths a bench top, the internet poops its interpants. 24. Is there any case where you would advocate for a tool tray? Yes, when the tool tray is a box with a lid and three sliding tills, and positioned off to the side of your bench where all your tools are at hand. 25. 
What's the best way to make my workbench mobile? Push it. Commercial mobility kits don't impress me. I've seen engineered solutions that are more complex than a Javix 7 artificial heart. Simple is best. Most benches can be slid across a floor easily. If you want to protect the floor, put a moving blanket under the feet. Honestly, I own workbenches that are almost 400 pounds and I can move them myself with my scrawny bird-like arms. 26. What's the best height for a workbench? I think it's somewhere between the historical heights of 28 inches and 36 inches. Plus remember that you can endure working in a range of about 3 inches around your ideal. So if you can't decide, make the bench a little taller than the internet tells you, then saw the legs down bit by bit until you find your work becomes easier. Second piece of advice, sit down at your bench to do detail work with carving tools, chisels or a router. 27. What's the best way to make my workbench height adjustable? I know this sounds snarky, but it's not. Sit down at a shop stool if you need to be closer to your work. Stand on the same stool, or a raised platform if you need to get way above it for some reason. Adjust your height, not the workbenches. 28. What do you think of these commercial benches that adjust in height? I am impressed by the engineering, but I don't see a need for them in my workshop. 30. Should my workbench be in the centre of the room or against the wall? Either works, as long as you can move the bench for oddball operations. I shift my bench all the time, here and there, to do different things. I prefer to have my bench in the middle of the room, so I can go around to its backside to take photos, but most people don't need to do that. One caveat. If your bench is lightweight, having it against the wall or secured to the wall can make it more stable. 31. If I put my bench near a window, which direction should that window face? The classic shop uses only the beautiful northern light. The real shop will take any window facing any direction. 32. Can I draw bore a bench together without glue to make it knock down? You can do this once. After you disassemble a drawboard joint, it never goes back together as tightly as it did the first time. 33. How lightweight is too light? If the bench moves across the floor during normal planing operations, you have a problem. Bolt the bench to the floor or wall, add weights or build a heavier bench. After experimenting with commercial benches that were on the featherweight side, I found the typical 60 pound bench is too light. At about 150 pounds, things begin to work. Above 250 pounds, I don't notice the workbench. Questions about work holding. 34. Won't the tooth planing stop cut me? It's unlikely. I've never cut myself after 15 years of daily use. Can it happen? Sure. Have I heard of people getting cut? Only once. Is it mentioned in early texts which detailed many of the possible gruesome injuries in the shop? Not that I recall. 35. I don't want to cut a mortise for the planning stop in my beautiful bench top. Are there other options? Sure. You can fasten a moving block to the end of your bench top. But I think that's lame compared to just chopping a hole in your bench and doing the job right. 
I totally understand that some people have a mental block about some things. Grinding an iron, filing the mouth of a hand plane open, doing the ruler trick for the first time. The barrier is all in your head. Close your eyes and jump off the tire swing. You'll be glad you did. 36. Do I have to have a face vice? Can't I just use a crochet? Or is that a dumb idea? Screw-driven vices didn't show up until the 14th century. So yes, you can do excellent work without a screw-driven vice. Yet the screw-driven vice is enormously convenient. There's a reason that record never made an iron crochet painted blue for workbenches. And vices are readily available and inexpensive. But for the record, I enjoy using a crochet. 37. What is the best arrangement placement of holdfast holes? 3 rows. The back row is 3 inches from the rear edge of the bench top. The middle row is 10 inches from the rear edge. The third row is 17 inches from the rear edge. The holes are 16 inches away from each other. And the holes are staggered on each row by 8 inches. You might have to adjust these dimensions if you have a very narrow bench top, but this is the general idea. 38. Of dog holes. Dog holes should be close to the front edge of your bench top, usually 2 inches to 3 inches. Also, this allows you to use hand planes that have fences that drop below the bench top, such as a plow plane. I like to keep my dog holes close together, about 3 inches on center. 39. What's better, a wooden vice screw or a steel one? Neither. Both can close quickly and ferociously on your work. Both can last several lifetimes if cared for. Both can be trashed by abuse. 40. What's the best material for lining the jaws of a vice? I like suede and a cork and rubber gasket material. Benchcraft sells this as scrubber. Avoid cork alone as it's too fragile. Some people like neoprene, but I haven't tried it. 41. What glue should I use to affix the liner for the jaw? I prefer epoxy. Full stop. 42. Should I install a pattern maker's vise? In the tail vise position. The face vise position. If you are a pattern maker, yes. And it can go in either position on the bench, according to the historical record. If you are a regular head furniture maker, this vise has downsides. It's expensive and a trick to install. Most furniture makers don't need one. But damn it, I own one. 43. Why won't my holdfast cinch down? Your bench top might be too thin, so the holdfast cannot wedge itself into place. Or the hole is too big for the shaft, so the holdfast can't wedge in place. Or the hole is not plumb. Or the shaft is too smooth. The least likely reason is the holdfast is poorly made and doesn't have enough spring. 44. How flat does my workbench have to be? The bench has to be flat enough so your work doesn't spring in low spots to the point where you cannot flatten boards with your hand planes. If you work with hand planes, you will know when the bench top is too wonky because your planes won't do their job. If you don't work with hand planes, flatness is really critical. 45. How often should I flatten my workbench? I flatten a bench top when I make it. Then I flatten it again when it becomes disgusting from glue and abuse when it stops working, as per the previous question. Some people flatten their bench tops yearly, 
some do it after every big project. I ain't got time for that, and I haven't found it necessary. 46. What's a vice garter? Do I need one? Garters are part of a screw-driven vice that links the screw mechanism to the vice's jaw. With a garter in place, the jaw moves in and out when you move the screw in and out. Without a garter, the jaw moves forward with the screw, but must be pulled back manually when you retract the screw. Do you need one? They're convenient, but not necessary. 47. Will I regret not installing a tail vice? The best path forward is to build a bench that allows you to add a tail vice immediately or in the future. That way you and your work can answer the question, instead of a dumb Kentucky woodworker. 48. Which is better, square dogs or round ones? Neither. Square dogs don't rotate, round ones do. Your work might need round dogs if it's odd shaped. Round dogs are easier to install. Both forms are traditional and go back centuries. 49. Steel dogs or wooden ones? Steel dogs hold better, but they will mess up your hand plane as soon as you hit one. Wooden dogs don't hold as well, but they don't hurt your hand planes. The choice is yours. 50. What sort of woodwork requires a tail vice? If you plane up a lot of boards that are similar sized, a tail vice can be nice. They can also be nice for disassembling a frame that is tightly dry fit. They are convenient for traversing wide boards with a jack plane or working diagonally with a jointer plane. We have several benches with tail vices or wagon vices. I use a tail vice once every few months. 51. Do I need a board jack, either integral or freestanding? These are helpful when you have very long boards, longer than 8 feet, or a face vice that has poor grip and cannot handle an 8 foot long board by itself. They're also handy for edge jointing long tabletops and mortising doors. If you do big work, they are a godsend. If you don't, they are occasionally useful, but are mostly a storage facility for holdfasts. 52. Finally, what wood should I use for my bench? Oh, do sod off. 53. If I'm not mistaken, Chris has installed the Benchcraft Retro Classic Vice in the new bench illustrated in the book The Anarchist's Workbench. Why not the Solo, which I understand would be recommended for a new bench? Chris finds the Retro, shown above, is easier to install. The Solo requires perfectly straight and deep holes, for which many people require a drill press. So he chose the one that's easier for beginners, or those without a drill press to install. 54. In Mr. Schwartz's first workbench book, he states that the stock is cut to rough length and ripped oversize when the stock is first purchased. It is then stickered and allowed to dry for a time before starting the build. In his latest book, Mr. Schwartz states on page 197 that he piles the latest purchase on top of the pile in the basement when he has a bench-sized pile he makes a bench. Is one method preferred over the other? Should the wood dry as full 2x12s, and when ready to begin the build, cut the wood to length, rip it a bit oversized, and then glue and clamp it up. Both are correct. If he has a bench in mind and knows the rough sizes, he'll go ahead and rough cut, then sticker the stock, and it'll dry faster. But if not, he'll buy a pile and let those dry until he's ready. It takes longer for them to dry that way. Both approaches work. 55. I read through the book The Anarchist's Workbench once in its entirety, but I've reread the construction chapters a couple of times 
and something was nagging at me that I finally figured out. As described, the top is laminated, then you go back and mark the mortise locations, then drill and chisel out the holes to receive the mortises from the legs. But one of the steps in laminating the top is to cut out a section beforehand for the planing stock, using a spacer that gets knocked out once it's glued up. That makes sense, instead of having to cut out a clean square holes in the top. Couldn't you also leave voids for the mortises? Then you'd have the mortises all ready for the legs without needing to chisel and drill the mortises. Chris builds the top first, then the base. So if you lay out your mortises and laminate the top with the requisite voids, you then have to be dead on when making the base so that it fits. That's tricky to do. Also tricky. While making the lamination, you have to ensure the mortises are perfectly aligned across the entire top. So Chris decided it was less risky to simply glue up the top, then bash out the four mortises, with their locations marked out from the completed base. He says it took about an hour to drill and pair those mortises. If you want to create mortises in the top beforehand, here's a method to consider. Make the mortises about a quarter inch undersized on both ends thereby giving yourself a little wriggle room if things slip a bit during the top's glue up. Then mark the final mortise locations from the assembled base and pair the excess away to fit. Narrator's Note Questions 53, 54 and 55 are from the Lost Art Press blog and have been added in for the sake of completeness.